Welcome, healthcare leaders, and thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Practice Management Insights. I am your host, Ashley Malone, and I have to tell you that I love recording new episodes, mostly because I love the fact that healthcare has such great people in it who are really trying to fight the fight and make a difference in patients' lives. In some of our episodes, I simply get to discuss and share some of my own experiences in my 20 years of healthcare leadership, but in my favorite episodes, I get to talk with some of my friends in the healthcare industry to learn more about what they do and how they are supporting healthcare leadership. Although each of our episodes is different, there are two themes that I always try to incorporate. The first is to give at least one small tip to keep us all legally sound, and the second is to leave you with at least one word of wisdom or an example that you might be able to implement within your own organization. The third is not intentional, and I know I said two, but I can't seem to help myself by always saying in every episode that healthcare is hard. I get it, but we can tackle this together. So now for today's episode, I am so grateful to have one of my great friends joining us from Charleston, South Carolina, Melissa LaRoche from True Beauty Aesthetics. Melissa, you have such a diverse background and are really one of my favorite examples of women in leadership. I've known you for, gosh, (laughs) 20 plus years. Yep, that makes us sound old. I I know, I know. We met at the Medical University of South Carolina. We were both working in the Department of Ophthalmology at the time, and now we have both transitioned into the private community. I was wondering if we could start. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you started in healthcare and then maybe your journey that has gotten you to the place today with True Beauty? Sure. It's been a surprising one, I will tell you. I did not see this path for myself. It sort of chose me. Um, When I finished PA school in 2000, which seems impossible, um, what I really, really wanted to do was neurology and just had a passion for brains and um, was fascinated, was really big into headache treatment. Um, But what I found was that neurology made me sad. And I spent a lot of nights just crying. You know, you were giving people diagnoses that were not only life-changing, but also not changeable, you know. Um, Sorry, you had a stroke. I'm sorry, you have a tumor, you know. And I was in rural South Carolina where, you know, those things are so prevalent. And I am a big proponent of fitness and nutrition and I went in there as a young naive person thinking that I could teach people those things <laughs> like how to live a better life and how to not eat that fried food every day <laughs> and I just felt like I was banging my head against a wall and there came a day when I gave a young female a diagnosis that is only associated with morbid obesity and I literally came in there like okay this is exciting like this is actually one of the things that I tell people that we can fix you know it's fixable this only happens to people who are really obese 
And she was like, oh, my family's not going to like that. And I was just kind of dumbfounded. And I'm like, what do you mean your family's not going to like that? And she's like, oh, they just, you know, it's not good to be too skinny. And they will, they're going to think I look sick. And I was like, come on, you know, they're going to know that you're not going to go blind from this illness because you're, you fixed your weight. And she was completely correct. I had her mom and her grandma march into my office and yell at me for her new dietary options and her weight loss. And she looks ill. And I don't know, something in me just sort of broke in that case. Um, And right thereafter, like literally, I want to say within a week or so, my, my dad was 60 when I was born. And so I had been working out of town to do this job and he had a a health crisis basically and was in and out of the ICU for a while. And I just realized it was time for me to move home. So when I went looking uh, for jobs, there were no neurology jobs in Charleston, or that's my hometown. And there was a neuro-ophthalmology job. And so I took that job, which was like a consultant job, if you will. It was not a permanent position. So I took that one. And again, just fascinating. You know, nobody needs a neuro-ophthalmologist unless you've been through all the other consultants. (laughs) It's a very small corner of the world. And um, loved it, but again, very, very sad. And spent a lot of nights crying over giving people fatal diagnoses. So decided to take a little pivot and do something that I thought would be better for my heart. So did a year of spine surgery. which was just not for me. I promised myself I would do spine surgery for a full year because, I don't know, I made that number up in my head. I was like, I'm going to do this and give it a really good try. But literally at like 11 months, the um, folks at the medical university called and said, hey, we have this job. We like you. You like us. And it's in oculoplastics, which is not um, a specialty I had really thought of. Um, But started doing that and realized I love fixing things. That resonates with kind of some of the examples that you've given so far. Um, It may be a little sad when you were talking about how much those other experiences hurt your heart. Um, You know, I think that there's, and, and we'll talk about this, but I think there's such an apathy in healthcare or the perception of apathy in healthcare. And I think that what all of us need to remember when we're having experiences with maybe an office that is not super warm or inviting, you know, some of it is an HR issue, but some of it, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to be a provider who just has to deliver that kind of news on a daily basis. Yeah, it was exhausting and not really good for my heart. (laughs) Um, I know that some people can really separate that and and pull themselves out of it, and it's just a job, but I just have never been able to do that. Oculoplastics is not something I would have ever chosen. It kind of chose me. It's not something I would have pursued, wouldn't have even known about it, in all honesty. But it is delightful. Like, 
like I love to do procedures and I love to be like, hey, you're good. Call me if you need me. That's that's the best part, isn't it? So so tell us just to back up just a half a second. Um, tell me a little bit. I don't think I we kind of walk through your role, you know, as a physician's assistant, you've had, you have a diverse background, which is awesome. So, you know, just kind of briefly, what, what are kind of your boundaries or what, you know, what kind of, you can, you can do so much, obviously surgery, you, you're in clinics. So the, the options available are, are amazing. Yeah, I will be honest, it's been the best career choice for me. I think that when I was in college, I had this just crisis where I had sort of always thought I wanted to go to medical school. And one day I was just like, I am not really sure that I do. And I went to a family relative's 80th birthday party. And one of her nephews is was a very successful hand surgeon and so he's like are you still thinking about medical school and I said yep and he's like don't do it oh gosh (laughs) what you know you've done so well he's like I know but you're trading so much of your life for your career and I just I I wouldn't do it again and so I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do and so he mentioned PA to me and luckily he set me up with some people to follow and then there were a couple in my church as well and so I just sort of went in all sorts of I did orthopedics I followed in the ER did some urgent care some family medicine I was like I love this and the reason it's been the best choice for me is that if I had gone to medical school I would have picked neurology because as we talked about it before, that's where I really thought my heart was leading. And then by the time I finished a residency in it, I would have then known that it made me too sad and I would have not been able to switch. That's so funny you said that. I always say like, you know, at work when, I mean, let's be real, you get some referrals too from other providers, right? And it may not have gone that well with them. So they'll refer them for maybe a second opinion and I always say like wow wouldn't it suck to go through that and realize that you're like maybe not a great surgeon or that you that you don't like right I mean what if you were all the way down the path of neurology so it, you mentioned that oculoplastics chose you um, and obviously that was a good fit for you so tell us a little bit about kind of what oculoplastics means um, but then your experience with that Sure. It is any type of plastic or reconstructive surgery around the eyes, uh, not involving the eyeball. So anything in front of the brain, but behind the eye, upper eyelids, lower eyelids, it extends onto the forehead and the cheek as well. Um, But it's a lot of, when I first started, it actually evolved also. When I first started, we were at the university and did lots of tumors and lots of trauma. Um, But after gosh, let me think of the timeline, about seven years, I guess, at the university, we um, left there and went to private practice and then sort of scaled down the eye socket work, which is good because they take years off your life when you're behind someone's eyeball in that little tiny space looking for things. It is a very stressful period of time. I'm pretty sure I lost a few years that way, holding my breath. Um, so switch more to not just the cosmetic aspect, but a lot of the functional eyelid stuff, which is 
quite a bit better for your sanity and stress level. So upper eyelid surgery, lower eyelid surgery. And then I also did the office procedures and did the cosmetic injectables. So Botox and fillers. And then at some point that evolved into um, laser resurfacing as well. So the in-office ones, not the really deep ones. Those are in the OR, but um, in-office, just laser skin treatments. What I'm, when I'm hearing you, you know, when you're talking about your journey, I'm almost hearing like life transitioning you. So the last, you know, few years, it, it sounds like you started picking up a little bit more of the cosmetic part of it. I know you, so have our listeners um, understand that when you do cosmetics, it's not the plastic, you know, Hollywood person. Your patient base and, and where your heart is, um, tell us a little bit about what that is like on the inside of a practice and what some of these women and men are dealing with and why they might see you for some of these services. Well, for people who don't know me, it, it is ironic at times. And I literally still to this day sit there and think, how am I the beauty expert? Because I am a gym rat I am a competitive power lifter <laughs> and I bow hunt. <laughs> so, like, and she's beautiful, y'all. So she's painting a picture, but she she could skin a, a deer in your garage. So let's just put that out there. Yeah, I, I do. I love everything about hunting, um, but I do really have a different perspective on how I want people to feel like I want you to look in the mirror and be happy. And I tend to attract the type that aren't looking for the Hollywood lips or whatever. They just want to turn the clock back a little bit, or they have one thing that really bothers them. And my goal for everyone is for you to like how you look in the mirror with no makeup on, you know, just yeah. to have, healthy looking skin, healthy looking bone structure, you know, no obvious things that jump out at you. And to that point, it's really interesting to me because sometimes what bothers people is not something I even see. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. You know, I yes. Like, I think that goes into probably the, the next phase of your life, which I'm so excited to hear about. Um, you know, your core to me, what I'm hearing to reflect back to you, what I think you're, you're saying is your core has been growing and figuring out kind of what your spirit is saying to you. You've said several things about the things that hurt your heart with patients are the things that like, you know, that, that are fixable, but maybe they're not willing to do the work like nutrition or exercise or these types of um, specialties that you have to deliver news that is not so great. Um, and then, you know, then you move to oculoplastics and you're dealing with a little bit more of a surface thing, but you, you dealt with really, really critical medical things too. Um, and I guess if you really wanted to go down some, some rabbit holes, you know, I, I think at the, at the surface, you know, reconstruction, you know, the point of that, right besides the medical reasons of keeping people healthy and safe 
you, you also want them to feel good about themselves and to feel like they still have functional, normal lives. So the reconstruction portion of it may, may seem medical, but, you know, it, it has that component as well, I would imagine. Um, yeah, and that's just such a frightening procedure. You know, they've just had part of their face cut off that morning and they show up to you and they're, it's patched and they haven't seen it and they're afraid to know what's under there. And oh. That part is, um, that was very rewarding. Oh, wow. You're, um, obviously, I think it goes without saying, but I'll say it out loud. You can't, sh- you can't like, surprise or shock Melissa. <laughs> so, li- literally, I mean, she's giving an example. You know, you half your face could be gone, and she'll just take off the bandage and go, oh, gosh, they did such a great job. Now let's get you fixed up. So, no shocking there. Um, so tell us about this last chapter of yours, which is not your last chapter. It's just the most recent chapter and tell us a little bit about true beauty and kind of where that came from. Yeah, it is so interesting. You know, I have a very spiritual bent and I realized that everything that's been happening in recent years in my life has been leading me to this point. And it's not by chance. It's all orchestrated. Um, the It's been a rough few years. So I have my mom at home, and she has advanced Alzheimer's and was trying to make that work. Um, I'm a single mom of three boys. Actually, not single as of last weekend. <laughs> Congratulations. Yep. <laughs> Until just now. Um, but it's been a rough few years. But about seven years ago this thing fell into my heart i was reading this book about um how god wired women basically and that there's many parts of the book but one part that really hit me over the head was that we want to be found lovely and that there's no shame in that like because it was a bit of an identity crisis for me to be doing cosmetic stuff because I'm not really a cosmetic person myself, right? And so I was at this point where I really, this book transformed how I see it. And it was talking about how beauty is not something you can even be when you're young. It mm. just isn't. It's something that grows through life experiences. And it talks about the difference between beauty, which is appealing to the eye and being lovely, which is appealing to the heart and mind as well as the eye. And I literally walked around with a notebook in my pocket for about a year, like this little notepad. And I would think about the women who are the most beautiful in my life, like who make me feel better when I leave them than when I got there. And one of those women was born without a nose. Oh, wow. Without a nose. Wow. And she has been through just multiple reconstructive surgeries in my lifetime. But there is not a person on this planet who makes you feel better when you're with her. Like, she is the one that I wanted to call when I was pregnant or when I had happy news. Like, she is the most beautiful part I know. And I kept thinking, okay, so, you know, it's not an exterior thing for her. It's it's completely heart. And whether she had a nose or didn't, which now it looks relatively normal, it 
did not change her. Like, it was not the thing she hung her head on. Wow. And so there was this quote in the book that I put on my mirror, and I put it in my pocket, and I just kept sitting there and just reading it over and over, but it said, a woman of true beauty offers others the grace to be with the room to become. Ooh. Wow. I love that. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I was like, that. And every morning I would tap that quote and I would say, that's who I want to be. Like, I want to be the person who you feel good when you see me regardless, but drop this little thing in your soul that you could be more. Wow. Give me that quote one more time. I want to hear that again. And just to give credit where credit's due, it's in the book Captivating by John and Stacy Eldridge. But it says, a woman of true beauty offers others the grace to be with a room to become. Wow. I think yeah. that is so powerful. It has been really transformative. And that was years ago. And some things happened and, and life got a little bit chaotic and last about a year ago now I've just turned in my resignation and had multiple job offers um as in you know I've been an injector in this town for a decade and uh, had lots of people asking but literally one morning I woke up and God was like go get that notebook and I had put it aside it was like on a bookshelf and I dug that thing out and I started flipping through and this idea of true beauty just would not get out of my soul. And so I was like, you know, I feel like I can make a go of this on my own and be this place. And I don't want it to just be a place for injecting. I want it to be a place you come that helps heal your heart and show you potential of something else you can be. I love that so much. You you had every opportunity to get sucked into the truly sur surface world. And, you know, I think that you you were you were starting to settle into your core. And I remember it's I love I love when I have a long relationship with someone because I unfortunately I remember everything. My husband hates that, but I remember everything. And I remember you gosh Throughout our journey together, I remember you saying things that I don't think you even realized where your path was going. And, you know, you're the one that when we're all like out, you know, talking or whatever group of women, people start talking about nutrition or this or that. And you're always really encouraging and you always give, you know, whatever that person is going through, you know, very custom um, interaction. So it's not like pushing things on them. You're always like, well, tell me about this. You know, I think, I think you alerted me to vitamin D. Everyone get your vitamin D checked, you know? Um, so I think that's a really, um, I just love that story for lots of reasons, but one is because it sounds like all these little pieces were floating around in your, in your environments or, and then it started kind of hitting your soul a little bit. And then you started figuring out where to put that, but you also had the discipline to listen. So right. the fact that you needed to go get your notebook, it was like, Oh, Oh, today. Oh, we're doing this today. Okay. 
All right. So, um, through it, it really was like the template for this business, and it had been in my heart years ago, and I had put it aside, you know. But it literally, and you and I have talked about this at length. Um, you know, Ashley helps me with my practice consulting, and you know, I want to make that vision a place that you walk into, like a concrete building that you walk in and you feel that way. I, that's, that's so special. It's, it's so special. You're going to have everyone wanting to come to Charleston now. Um, so I guess to, you know, kind of translate that, um, we talk a lot about practice management and we talk about patient care and the reason why this podcast was created is because I wasn't finding a podcast that was kind of discussing topics on this level. You know, a lot of it is very corporate-based and industry-based, and I really wanted to tap in really for encouragement. Um, this The type of – we kind of draw to us, right, who we are, and yeah. the type of consulting I do are people who are really just – trying to get, do good patient care, but maybe not understand um, how to do some of the efficiencies of practice management. So I love to come in there. We can fix that stuff. You keep doing you, you know, we'll, we'll take care of the rest. So you've had such a wide range of experiences and now you're really doing what's on your heart. Can you just share maybe, you know, you have, you have a lot of advice to give. Um, a lot of experiences and, and um, expertise. So you're now a business owner. You're now a healthcare provider. So, you know, what would kind of be, um, I guess, a message or advice to give to others who are either figuring out how to do this or maybe just kind of struggling within their current environment? Well, ask the right people to help you is what I would say first. Like, I brought this to Ashley and just said, here's what I'm thinking. Like, does this make any sense at all? You know, I have these other jobs I can step into and they're an automatic thing, but this is what's on my heart. Tell me if I'm crazy or if this looks like it works. And I am a clinician and a, not a business owner prior to now. And I just didn't know the logistics of it. And I will say that your encouragement was, I, I believe that I could do it. I really did. You're Aww. like, oh, that's easy. Oh, thank you. Um, but I, I didn't know how to lay the groundwork or the logistics. And I don't think I was even supposed to. Like, I think that's where we need to just call in the troops and be like, hey, this is what I see. How do I put this on paper and actually make it happen. Um, one of the biggest things that, that really stuck in my head as I've started this journey, I've always been a, just a passionate learner. And so anytime I've had an opportunity to go see how someone else does something, I've taken it. And I was doing an injection training probably a year and a half ago or so. And I remember the person saying, and she was a very successful injector from out west, and she was like, the easiest patient to get is the one you already have. Oh. You know, you make them sticky, and she just kept saying sticky. And she's like, you know, you can spend advertising dollars, you can bring people in, you can do whatever. 
but if you really in aesthetics, you know, they need you a couple of times a year. And if you have that relationship and that they want to see you, they miss you. They want to know what's going on in your life. They want to tell you what's going on in their life. That was like, Oh my gosh, that's what I'm good at. Yes. That, that is such a, and it seems common sense, but it's not common sense. You know, women, there's three people that we do not let out of our life, right? Your hairdresser, your gynecologist, and the person who's doing what you do. (laughs) So I imagine they will follow you. They will, but you have to be organic. You have to be genuine in those relationships because we, we also all can spot a fake in a skinny minute. But, you know, once you've established that relationship, I mean, that's really good, good feedback. It's good advice for us all to remember. Yeah, it was, it was revolutionary for me because she was like, you know, you don't have to go do a bunch of advertising. Your people who love you are going to send their friends and their family. And that's how things have been. And, you know, I had the luxury of developing a injection practice although it was just a small part of what I did I did do it consistently over some number of years so I was starting from a certain place but it really the thing I also underestimated was how my people how excited they would be for me to go out on my own yeah and it inspired them to send their friends like oh my gosh this my person is out on her own go see her like, they're really rooting for you. Oh, I love and that. I underestimated the power of that in terms of referrals and growing the business. I mean, they are, I can't tell you how many people have said, I am so proud of you. That, that well, girl, I'm very proud of you. <laughs> so, thank you. I mean, I just, I just heard someone say something that, um, kind of what you just said, if, they were just like, support your people, guys. If if a friend of yours started a business, you order all your stuff from there. You know, if they're in a movie, you go watch the movie. Yeah. If they're opening a practice, guess what? They're now your provider. Like, you got to support your people. This is what really it's all about, community and togetherness and, you know, fulfilling what's on your heart and your spirit and, you know, taking that leap, which I'm so proud of you for doing because I know it was scary and I know there could have been risk, but girl, you've been, you've been practicing, practicing for this your whole life. You just didn't know it. I had no idea, but it literally is just speaks to, you know, being open and listening to you know, the plans that have been put in your path and not, I mean, I really was tempted to just step over all that and go take a for sure job under another practice. Um, but it didn't turn out to be the right thing. And in addition, I really, really wanted to create an umbrella for, I had just the most special employee at my other practice for over a decade and I really wanted her to have a place as well. And I selfishly wanted it to be with me. Uh, um, so part of it too was like, I want an umbrella to bring her with me. You know, I want her to step forward. And she had been my technician for a long time. And we made the decision to have her go to esthetician school. And so she has a whole career that's independent of me as well. So it's also just, it's meant to be an umbrella 
that's bigger than just being something for me. That's amazing. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if, if, if you're in a position to support and help others as well, um, you know, with their, be her stepping stone, for example, and she's talented, she's amazing. So, um, you know, it seems to be moving in that right direction. So, um, I am so grateful. I'm really grateful. I've been wanting to talk with you for, since we launched the podcast and, um, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on today. I appreciate you sharing your journey. I think that it's always great to talk to someone who has experience, but you know, you've done the work too. So everyone needs to remember, follow your journey, follow what's on your heart, be kind to others. I mean, it's a, it can be a practice builder. If you just want to talk about economics, that's fine. It can be a practice builder to be a kind human being. And, you know, just remember what everyone's going through because um, we're all kind of going through it together. Um, but thank you for coming on today. Um, if people would like to reach out to you, um, how do they find you? My website is truebeautysc for South Carolina.com. Um, you can find me there and send me a message directly that has come to me in case anyone has any questions. I really do feel like this is a a doable practice for lots of people who really have a heart to help others. And I would say just even when it looks, as I've said before, I am not the person, if you would have told 20-year-old me that I would be doing aesthetics for a living, I would have laughed at you. Um, but don't say no to anything that crosses your path, you know, whatever comes your way, just try it, put your foot in, you know, see, you might be amazing. That's something you, you don't know that you're you're amazing at. And when you don't know how to make it a reality, we have you (laughs) to put it on paper for us. Um, but feel free to reach out to me on the website. Those messages will come right to me and I'm happy to converse or help anyone that I can. Well, Melissa, that's awesome. Um, I appreciate you and uh, best of luck with everything. It's already growing leaps and bounds. So I know that you're going to be amazingly successful. You already are. And we appreciate you talking with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Practice Management Insights is a podcast produced by Practice Management and Legal Consulting. For more information, visit us at pmlclaw.com or to submit a topic for future consideration, email Ashley, A-S-H-L-I-E at pmlclaw.com.